Hi guys, it's Tori, and this is the third episode of the Tenfold Podcast. We're sitting down with Abby Williams, who's a British expat and has lived in Bondi for the last few years. She was actually a student in a user experience course that Alex assisted, and they became fast friends when they realized just how much they had in common. So they both left colder, more serious cities for the land of sunshine and have been working to find balance in their careers while exploring more of their spiritual sides. Abby moved over here from London a few years ago, and as Alex would say, she's essentially been doing user experience on her own life by consciously making changes to optimize both her physical and mental health and her happiness. So Abby, can you tell us a bit about yourself? So I'm from the UK. Um, I lived in London for eight years after uni and then moved to Sydney about two years ago. I uh, work as a UX designer, which is how I met Alex. Yeah. How are doing a course? <laughs> um, and I live in Bondi. And did you grow up in London or did you grow up somewhere? No, I grew up in um, a town that had the highest teen pregnancy rate in Europe. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Something to be proud of. <laughs> so proud. Put us on the map. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's outside of London, like What's an hour called? away. It's called Swindon. Swindon. Yes. Nice. Yes. Is it a small town or is it? Uh, it's actually the size of a city. Oh. So, But it's near the Cotswolds and it's near Bristol yeah. and it's yeah like an hour from London. So, And does everyone want to get out of that town? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. You either stay and have kids or you go to London or to Bristol. Um, yeah. And what it's about right. you when you were growing up? Oh, I can wait you, to get out yeah, of there. Yeah, what were your dreams? Uh, I just wanted to go to London. I thought it was so yeah. exciting. Like, just big lights. Mm-hmm. City, and so thing. did you go to London? I did, yeah, yeah. So I I actually moved to London for a month initially. So the idea was I was going to um, go and do like a fashion internship oh. within a design company and then go back home, get like a shitty job and just save and then travel, travel the world. And then this internship turned out to be pretty cool and it just kind of escalated and I ended up being there for eight years. Eight? Yeah. Like, is Wait, that, I think, is there another the word for escalated? Yeah. <laughs> Full-time commitment yeah. marriage. Yeah, literally. Um, I think I just got into the routine and things just seemed to be going pretty well and I just loved London so much mm. for, like, probably the first five years like mm-hmm. it was everything I wanted and I just really lucked out met some awesome people yeah. had friends that were there too and you know it's got a lot going for it as a city and then what do you think changed later on that made you feel differently about it well it was strange it kind of happened quite quickly I don't know whether it's just a case of like you kind of slightly grow out of somewhere that you've been for a while or it seemed like a lot of friends were kind of moving on you know getting married having kids mm-hmm. or they were setting up their own businesses. I had all this really interesting and cool stuff going on and I wasn't quite sure. I was just plodding along and I had a really close-knit group of friends, which was awesome. And we did everything together. But it turned into a bit of a blessing and a curse towards the end because I realised I couldn't do anything without them. Yeah. And we, we were so like dependent on each other. And so I just remember I was working at... Um, it was a kind of fashion and sports company which is really, really good in terms of, like, London's pretty hardcore with the hours and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the commuting and everything. But this job, they had a yoga studio downstairs and oh, they really nice. encouraged us to go for runs at lunch if you ever got stressed, but they also worked us pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And one day I was sat at my desk and I just felt this insane feeling of, like, claustrophobia. I felt like a caged animal. I was oh like, God. I need to get out of here. I need to change something. So I messaged my manager and just 
like on the fly and just said, can I just take three months off on a sabbatical? Wait, please? that day? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I'd only been there for seven so months. Had that been building up or did that just no, like well, surprise you? Maybe it had without me quite clocking in. I yeah. would say back then I wasn't particularly in tune. I was just like, yeah. just plodding along, yeah. doing the daily grind. It did kind of overwhelm me a little bit. And I think that's why I just reacted so quickly and mm. was like, intuitively knew that I had to just get out and yeah. get out of my comfort zone and travel. Um, and miraculously- And wait, you wanted to travel that eight years before. Yeah, and really yeah. Ended, ended up doing it, right? Exactly. That- it had just been something that I just had always like put off for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And the same with moving to Australia. Like I'd always got a job that I loved or met a boy that I loved or, you yeah. know, there was always a reason to stay. And just didn't and never so had had you wanted push. to move to Australia for a while. I right? had, yeah. I used to talk about it with friends back in London, yeah. and I think we grew up watching Home and Away and Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of think like, oh, cool, they they just live on the beach. And like when you're from the UK, like life is so different. Yeah. From yeah. that, and every Australian I'd met in London was just lovely. Yeah. So I just, yeah, it was a very appealing place. So to had you to. had friends who'd moved over? At that point, no. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Just conversations. So it was like the Wild West. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Land of opportunity. Um, so yeah, so my, my boss, after a few months, he made me sweat it out for a while, but came back and said, yeah, you can have the time off. Wow. And he said, the only thing is you have to like commit to coming back to your job yeah. afterwards. And at the time, I was like, sweet, yeah, I'll take three months, get out of my system, <laughs> that'll be fine. Um, and I went to all these different countries and it was a nice mix of doing some trips with friends. I went to India with some friends and mm-hmm. went to Nepal with my dad and, oh, and then had like a few weeks in Bali on my own and mm-hmm. never traveled on my own before. So, what, and yeah, what did it feel like? It was, I loved it. I actually really loved it. I think mm-hmm. I was craving that fresh air and just that space. Yeah. And Were I didn't realize. Were you nervous at all before you went? If you hadn't done that before? Or? Um, it was weird. I, Nervous, yes, to a certain extent, but not so nervous that I didn't want to do it. Like, real kind of nerves mixed in with a lot of excitement. I just wanted to go. Yeah. Especially um, if you'd been doing the same thing for eight years. I like, know. Just like doing <laughs> new thing after new thing is always so exhilarating. Yeah. And, and just I, to rely on, like, you can't rely on anyone, can you? When you're traveling, you'll just do it yourself. Yeah. That tells you so much about, you learn so much about yourself too. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, because I know in the UK you get a lot more like time or leave or vacation time. Yeah. So was it out of normal that you were taking three months off or was it kind of like you, you'd known a lot of people who'd done the same kind of thing I don't know anyone who'd done it mm-hmm. no I, I think they do like long service leave so you yeah. can take a year when you've been there for like three years or something but uh generally I didn't know anyone that took three and months off and how did off. people react to you when you said you were leaving for three months <laughs> well it's good because I planned to do three <laughs> months on my own and to be honest I was a little bit shit scared about yeah. being on my own for three months and going to <laughs> all these yeah, different places yeah, yeah. yeah. And South America and all sorts, like, really crammed the countries in. And then when I mentioned it to friends, some friends were like, oh, sweet, like, if you're going to India for three weeks, like, we'll take time off, come with you there. And it actually got to a point where I was a bit protective. Like, yeah, I wanted yeah. to, to not have, like, people with me the whole time. But mm-hmm. I also wanted some, like, shared experiences. And it worked out really well. Mm-hmm. It was, like, enough of being out of my comfort zone and then enough, like... To kind of get a bit lonely and a bit like, all right, yeah, cool, I'm going to yeah. have to really go and walk up to people in a restaurant and just start talking <laughs> to them now. 
and then it was like nice to kind of share some memories with like family and friends too yeah I think wait the... so in the three months you did a round the world trip basically yes. I know oh that... <laughs> in three months that's yeah. insane so actually yeah. that was the response when people said what yeah. are you doing I was like mm, there are like seven countries <laughs> I think I had like two or three weeks in each one okay um when but, you were working in London, did mm-hmm. you feel like you had any balance in your life? Or like, do you have hobbies outside of work? Or was it really crazy hours? And like, even the drinking culture, I know here yeah. from a lot of Brits is just drink, drink, drink. Yeah, work. good question. Um, a mixture, I would say. It was a bit of a double-edged sword. So the hours were super busy. And it like where I worked was pretty intense. I think generally in London, like the hours that are kind of pushed on you, it's the norm. If you leave on time, it's kind of slightly frowned upon, etc. Um, I think I was in the last two years before leaving London, pretty restless. Again, maybe just hadn't quite acknowledged it. Um, and so I was always looking for new hobbies to do. So mm-hmm. I spent a fortune on doing like a pottery class. After work, you did in Toronto. I took sewing, soccer, yeah. like everything. Yeah. You kind of go back to like wartime activities, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Like. Oh, else I do like children's book illustrations, like very interesting hobbies. Yeah, just anything I think to. Mm. I just felt. I mean, to be honest, in a nutshell, I was bored. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it was. But I hadn't ever really, apart from the odd fleeting thought of Australia, prior to travelling, thought about anything too monumentous mm. as mm-hmm. a move. I thought, you know, I'd just like buy a house and then maybe move at like an hour from London. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> And then, yeah, the drinking culture, like, it is pretty big there. Um, And again, like, you go out on Saturdays and not so much the last couple of years. I think there was a conscious effort, maybe because we were a bit older as well, to Mm. do dinner parties and things that you (laughs) do when you're 30. More sophisticated things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But generally, like, that's what you did. You just went out and got really, really drunk with your friends. And then Mm. Sundays you were just hungover and Mm. you just eat a big meal and no conscious eating not like into exercise but more of just for something to do no real kind of spiritual element I wouldn't say mm-hmm. um but I was always drawn to it so I remember doing some gong baths I think they're oh. called in London and getting really into those and like sound sound sound, sound baths yeah, sound yeah with gongs oh, um yeah. you went to a few of those but I didn't like again that was quite a new frontier as such yeah. in my social group so everyone was like illustration course that's true <laughs> yeah but it would get on you know be a friday night and my friends would be like oh we're going to the pub and i'd be like oh i'm going to a gong bar yeah <laughs> sorry, what? And i got a bit of a reputation for like yeah, yeah. always doing stuff with, do you think that it's changed in london now though because oh like, big time yeah, all the mm. new age like wellness stuff is so yeah it's so mainstream i mm. think but. So when I was um, on this three-month trip away, there was a woman that I met who was really into her meditation. And I thought it was so, for want of a better word, like noble of her to be able every day just to be like, oh, I'm just going to go sit on the mountain and meditate and on my own and come back. And I was really drawn to that. Mm-hmm. And when I got back, she recommended the guy that had taught her. So I looked into it. And this is just like, you know, when everything kind of falls into place, um, I basically took the meditation course. It was just a three-day over the weekend and it was amazing was it transcendental meditation it was Ah, yeah and it was great and I remember at the time being like right I've just spent all my money on traveling like what am I doing spending money on a meditation (laughs) course like you haven't got anything to show for it oh you know though (laughs) absolutely Uh and it was hands down I was actually thinking this morning like that's the best investment 
I think I've made I do not think I'd be in Australia if I hadn't done the course because I had too much like yeah mind chatter and too much like too many external um kind of focuses I guess influences yeah so that was great but it's kicked off big time now how did you get to Australia then what was the process after you came back (laughs) Um, so I'm not one to make decisions quickly, apart from <laughs> unless I feel Another like a cage animal. Pretty much. Um, I got back and I was like, right, I need to honour like going back to my job and. Wait, wait. so what was your actual job? Oh, so was I was um, like a UX designer okay, um, at this yeah fashion and sports company, and it was such a good company. But that's when I knew I needed to get out because I was like, right, I'm done with this job. I need to move on. And I looked around London and I genuinely just was so unenthused about all the jobs I saw. And I was like, nah, it's just going to like bide my time for another two years and then I'll probably be in the same problem and probably just not, not like challenge what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I went back to the job and was just, not happy at all felt like I'd taken one step forward two steps back yeah which I'm pretty sure everyone else could preempt happening (laughs) yeah it's so hard once you've had an experience like that to go back to regular office life and you're like what am I doing especially because I I wasn't happy before I'd Mm. been I think if I'd been quite content with it all it would have been easier but I was ready to change Mm -hmm. and um yeah I came to Sydney and I just remember like spent the day walking around on my own and just stood outside the opera house and I watched the sunset and I just had a little voice be like, you should do this. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, okay. Did you just come for a visit originally? Yeah. Or? So I, I thought, because Melbourne's really good for design and um, it's got a lot of similarities, I think, to London. Mm-hmm. And I did actually have a friend, a good friend that was over there who'd moved pretty recently. Um, and it was it was great, great city, but I just felt a real affinity with Sydney. And I thought you know, if I can get a year's visa, why would I not? Even if it's just six months, I make no friends, I can't get a job. Yeah. Like, just completely full arse over tit in everything I try and do. Like, yeah. I've got to just give yeah. it a go. Um, so. Had you ever felt anywhere else the way you felt when you came to Sydney? No. Especially if you weren't expecting it, if you were thinking Melbourne was going to be the place. Yeah, like. true. I don't, not that I recall, no, never. Interesting. It ticked a lot of boxes. I hadn't even been to Bondi on that trip. All I did was hang around. Yeah, I did just hang around the city. Yeah. Just kept oh staring God. at the harbour, yeah. getting ferries everywhere. <laughs> That's pretty enticing, though. Yeah, <laughs> those ferries. Yeah. Um, and then so when you moved over, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what like was there a, an adjustment period or? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. So I had. Um, I, I like to think of 2016, the year I moved over, as the year that like shit went down with my <laughs> friends and I in London. Like everyone who was not um, buying a house and kind of settling with a partner, I again close knit group of friends, but potentially we weren't that open that we didn't really ever talk about it. Didn't quite realise how restless each other were. Yeah. Ah, yeah. There was a mass exodus to Sydney mm-hmm. and Melbourne and Brisbane, Hong Kong, like every, mm-hmm. all sorts. Um, so I had a really lovely first week in Sydney I moved over here and had some really good friends that were here as well and some visiting from the UK and then it was the second week that they all went I was like right okay now it's real (laughs) I gotta get this done um and yeah it's it was smoother than I thought it would be but I genuinely think I was meditating like three times a day because I was like I need to be really grounded at this Mm. period in my life Mm. and I need to be really open and that was a feeling I'd never had before, where it truly felt like 
I don't think it's hard to explain, but almost like there was a bit of a light coming out from yeah, inside, and I was like, yeah. I just felt so happy to be there. And because I think you do kind of manifest with your energy when mm-hmm. you go somewhere new, because of that, I was so lucky. I met some really awesome people so who really also grounded me pretty early mm-hmm. from the start. Mm-hmm. So. And did you have a plan coming over? Like, were you going to find a job right away, or what were you thinking? Um, I It was really hard to leave London, because for eight years I just focused on my career, and, you know, it's quite competitive, our market. Mm, yeah. Um, I had a lot of, particularly from family back home, they're quite traditional. They're like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. eight years you've built this yeah. up, why are you just yeah. chucking it away? Um, and I was just at a point where I was like, I'll be happy if I can get a job like in a cafe as long as I can pay my rent I could get an industry job but in all honesty I was a bit burnt out from London that mm-hmm. I was almost quite reluctant to go for what I, you know like an industry kind of job yeah too early I on I felt the exact same way when Did I came you? here yeah <laughs> you kind of you don't always want to jump into that's why I ended up doing my farm work too oh yeah I was like I just didn't want to get back into an office right away and I yeah. just was like I need a different I need to try something completely different because otherwise it's just geography yeah it? exactly it's like same shit different city <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I actually did um get offered a job for a company that it was a good job and the money was good and I remember turning it down like before they'd even finished the kind of acceptance at the end mm. of the interview because I asked her um what the culture was like in the mm. company and she was like oh with your job like you wouldn't be expected to leave before seven and it's like every pore of my body started screaming mm. and was like run don't go there do you feel like you would have had that same reaction in London or had you had that kind of thing or do you feel like the travel um I think in London I would have like I think there would have been a bit of an ego there that would have been mm, like yeah oh, but this this is a good job. Like, you yeah. know, it means that you're valued by the company if they don't want you to leave before seven. <laughs> Which sounds yeah, silly, yeah. I guess, in some ways, but also, like, I think back then, work was much more of my focus. Mm-hmm. So I almost looked for that validation yeah. through it in some ways. So it's a bit different. Did you have any anything that really surprised you about moving here in comparison to London? Like, when you came, were there things you were like, I can't believe this exists in Sydney or anything that you thought was missing. Um, I couldn't believe how like kind and friendly everyone was. Like, <laughs> that was the biggest thing. Yeah, I was like, everyone is just so happy here. I, I mean, it's the definitely same the thing. sunshine. And um, in for people who are listening in Australia, Sydney's considered like a cold city. <laughs> like, it's like yeah. a place where people are like, oh, those Sydney ciders. And if you come from somewhere like Toronto or London, we're just like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> people talk to you at the grocery store, like. It's yeah, like they smile at you and you can talk to a stranger and it's, yeah. it's okay, it's acceptable. So, I think yeah. that's really precious. Yeah, agreed. That's something I really value about being in Sydney. Um, that and the fact that people don't wear shoes, I love that as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's true. It's like ultimate freedom. Not yeah. so much in the city. And so how do you compare like your day-to-day here compared to what it was like in London? Like, so, what are the differences? I think the main difference is... Um, without going kind of too deep into it I think like I said in when I was living in London and just everything I'd ever known was there I was very much in my comfort zone you know I was kind of living life as all I knew and then mm-hmm. coming over here it's hard to explain but I kind of felt like I could breathe better here yeah like there was a real mm-hmm. lightness um and I kind of put that down to the fact that you're not really accountable when you move away like you know Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. Like, you, you know, you don't have your family that mm. you have to go and visit on Sunday, which mm. would be lovely to do. 
but also you just have all this free time. Yeah, and, and you don't have those extra inputs that you would have from your friends, but like that actually exactly. guide your day. Your yeah. Day day. Like, yeah. well, I've got to do this, then I have to go do that. Like, you don't realize how many micro decisions are affected by yeah. your environment. It's a great mentality. And I think yeah. when you grow up with people as well, you kind of impact each other without even realizing it and over here I was like sweet okay what do I want to do and <laughs> it's been a real like exercise in yeah. consciously trying to craft um a life kind of similar to what yeah. this all stands for yeah um a life that I really actively want to be a part of mm-hmm. rather than just mm-hmm. drifting yeah um so I'd say that's the biggest difference so, and that feeds into all elements of day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the main things that make up that life that you want to live? Like, what are the, what are you looking for? So, yeah, what have you come to balance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, without sounding incredibly antisocial, um, <laughs> I really love saying no to social yeah. occasions. <laughs> and I get so protective. Like, Jomo? It's joy jo- of missing out. <laughs> Jomo. Jomo. It's okay. totally a thing. <laughs> that is my motto um (laughs) no I think um on like I used to have real anxiety in London if I had a free weekend you know it's so busy there that you have to try and try and plan people in like a month in advance and I used to feel like a bit of a social failure if I didn't have plans on the weekend Mm -hmm. whereas here it's my favorite thing to have no plans and I am quite protective of it actually stresses me out to have too much on. Like mm. I always try and have a couple of hours on a Saturday or Sunday where I can just potter around my flat and, you know, just hang out or just walk down to the markets mm. and see who's around. And a lot of my friends I've made over here are quite similar. Mm. So it works well. I think if the social groups that you hang out with are organized people, <laughs> socially it wouldn't work. You just feel lonely because, yeah. you know, on a Saturday you couldn't spontaneously text someone because they'd have, had plans for a while but mm-hmm. I find here I really love the spontaneity mm. uh, maybe it's an expat lifestyle I'm not sure maybe it's the Australian impact so I, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is but people here I know if I just leave my weekend free like I can just wake up and do whatever I want to do that day and um, I think that's it and then also just being so much more conscious of mm. like my body and the health of my mind and just really truly investing in those things do you feel like the consciousness came from is it is that a like a byproduct of being in australia and and australia is more like conducive to that or do you think you would have been like that in london too i think it was just the way you were going maybe a bit of both i think one thing with australia is again going back to the whole it just feels easier to breathe here Mm -hmm. it's just there's more space Mm -hmm. yeah and nature is so grounding especially when you live near the coast you know, if you have a busy day, like there was a job that I got offered <clears throat> a while ago and I wasn't sure to take it or not. I was pretty stressed out. I just went down to the beach. Mm. It all sounds very <laughs> OC, doesn't it? Like, it's such I was a expecting to bump into like Seth Cohen down there. Or something, but yeah, I don't know. It's um, There's something about it that I think like man-made things just can't replicate and it just gives yeah. you a real sense of peace. So I think the kind of natural landscape of Australia definitely has kind of been the foundation for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are, are you glad you picked Sydney over Melbourne? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Melbourne's great. I like visiting yeah. it, but um, Sydney is just really unique, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know about you guys, but I have moments probably at least once a week where I'm just like, oh, I love my life. This yeah. is great. Yeah. We had it this morning walking to F45 because it was the craziest sunrise ever. And we were just like, 
what is this? <laughs> and everyone was like running out of F45 taking like <laughs> pictures. But also, this is what, 5.45 yeah. in the morning, which I oh, love wow. because there's all these people on the street and yeah. that like that just doesn't happen anywhere else. No, right? it doesn't. So and it's contagious. to see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's definitely joy in that. Yeah. Um, and so what do you think your biggest challenges are right now? Um, right now, it's trying to figure out what to do with my life. Moving forwards. You know, I thought moving over here, finding myself, yeah. enjoying like, you know, the life Australia has to offer would be sufficient. But um yeah, at the moment it's just um so my boyfriend is Australian and he's super keen to live abroad. I think I've probably mm. banged on about it so many times <laughs> and how good it's been that he's like, I wanna experience it. Mm-hmm. So that's a challenge, just trying mm. to figure out like where we could live and mm-hmm. what's going to make us both happy and that kind of life um another challenge is <laughs> off the back of the christmas period going back to work um yeah and i'm extremely um how can i put this protective of the work life balance purely because if i leave work after 5:30, which is when we finish then i can't make certain classes or things that I want to do that I know are really important to like my general well-being mm-hmm. and so I work in advertising it's yeah. really yeah. fast-paced it's a really hard, yeah. hard industry to maintain that balance yeah but I've I work for a really good employee mm-hmm. uh, employer sorry and they're like I've been there a year and a half and so far they've kind of respected it because um, I think mm-hmm. the the norm in offices is that you are Go kind of with it exactly yeah. you just you just crack on you make that a rule for yourself to to make sure you do put your foot down or do those kinds of things to hold that space so that you can have the balance that you want even if it's not the norm mm. where you work um someone told me once just before i started because i hadn't worked in advertising before she was like go in as you mean to carry on and so it's very much like leaving at five thirty, and if they were like we really need you to work late be like I can't I'll come in tomorrow morning I'll work like at, from like nine or something but I can't mm-hmm. now and that was really alien that was a real challenge mm-hmm. um I think generally the more conscious you become in your life as well mm-hmm. the more questions arise mm-hmm. out of certain things that you do in the day-to-day and maybe certain jobs and certain you know projects and things like that so mm-hmm. Um, what I'm doing at the moment is trying to find ways to get my passions and my interests and things that line up with what I consciously am trying to do and kind of squeezing it into the shoehorn yeah. <laughs> of a job. Um, so for instance, uh, I got really interested into in environmental issues. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Like was interested in them in the UK to a certain extent. My dad's a bit of a hippie, kind of brought us up mm-hmm. like that. But um over here, I just think, you know, you live by the ocean. How can you not take it a bit seriously and, and feel yeah. protective towards it? Um, and so in this advertising company, a friend of mine and myself, we were just chatting one day and realised that we were constantly geeking out about cool environmental initiatives that were happening all over the world. We are like, why don't we do something here? And it's a, been a long time coming, but on Friday, we actually launched um, this eco-initiative oh. across our agency, and there's a partner agency as well mm-hmm. in the same building, yeah. and it's um, kind of raising awareness. We're hoping to hit there's about 100 people in the building all together, and not make them feel guilty. It's very much yeah. just mm-hmm. kind of inspiring them and, and putting stuff under their noses, 
And then on the flip side, like there was no recycling across the whole building. So just oh, wow. making like tiny improvements mm-hmm. um, and just asking questions I don't think have been asked before. Yeah. Um, and that like for me, like that's a really good solution. Like mm. I found a pro- passion project. It's pretty exciting. I, I didn't mm. think it, I, it started just with them um, thinking it would just be like our small department. Then it escalated to our agency and then the kind of head honcho was like, let's just do the whole building. So it's kind of cool how it's escalated. It's pretty exciting. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, so I'm really interested with this stuff at work because I do think that you seem like you're very good at setting boundaries. I think there's a way to create the life that you want to live even anywhere, right? But Mm -hmm. it's about kind of setting boundaries or maybe knowing what your values are like and being conscious about it the way that you've said yeah and I think it's not taking the piss as well yeah. like you, yeah you can I mean I'm sure people can go into work and you know say oh, I'm leaving at 5 30 and and you know leave work in the lurch but I think in order to be sustainable with that kind of environment and those values you've got to put the work in yourself mm. it's time management I guess yeah I think for the in most part like if you are a good employee employers aren't gonna like push back that much if you set a precedent from the beginning yeah this is what I want to do and then you show that you can still do a good job within those parameters for Mm. the most part I think they would accept that but I think we're so used to and conditioned to be like ah this is the rules this is what I have to do and people don't even ask in the first place most of the time yeah I agree Mm. and it depends what kind of culture you're from as well like when I started in London I was an intern for a year so I was basically like a bitch for yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> like not so getting, really <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah. but like you know, not getting paid at all. And you, I remember spending like two months just stuffing envelopes in a windowless room. Yeah. And I think because you're taught to I'm like being so happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't know about that. <laughs> but like I was taught to graft. Like yeah. you know, you've got to like work for where you want to go. And I felt like throughout London, I'm sure you guys yeah. are the same. Like you had to work really fucking hard to like yeah. get up because it's so competitive. Mm-hmm. So I think to then take a step back and get to a point where you're like, hold on, I don't want to be slack. I don't want to like stop working and stop grafting just because I want to be able to make a yoga class or you know, go, yeah. like meet a friend for dinner or something. I think it's just being smart with how you work but I do think you need an employer that acknowledges that and respects it Mm -hmm. and maybe that does come out of trust I think too as like women we're often don't want to ask for things or we'd feel guilty I'd be like oh no I'm leaving early so I need to make up for it a lot more yeah you just feel a (laughs) bit of that and I feel like usually guys would not feel the same way I agree I'm I scurry out of the office. Yeah. I'm sure if I was a dude, I would strut. <laughs> um, do you ever feel weird? Because I, I know at agencies, there's also a big drinking culture usually. And like yeah. A stay late culture and kind of like a camaraderie around that. Yeah. Do you ever feel like, and you feel okay kind of like I would say that being the odd one out I don't know if that's like the wrong words or um I think there's a whole thing where like you find your tribe um and I've made a couple of friends in the office or colleagues of them we get on well and they're not into the drinking culture either so at those events we just hang out and we have a good time and then we smoke bomb at like 7 p.m (laughs) (laughs) so I think again attitudes are changing I think people are a bit more aware that not everyone is like that like millennials they're not drinking any alcohol now are they apparently (laughs) so um I guess they have to change with the times definitely um so you said you've kind of found your tribe at work and I think you're saying you found maybe your expat tribe here or whatever what (laughs) would you describe as your tribe or your kind of people like what do you find attracts you to 
the people that you're friends with and what do you value in your your circle um i find people that have different interests really um exciting to talk to so um you know i have a friend that i was talking to at lunch today who is a very keen gardener she grows all her own vegetables and you start her on the topic of like sweet peas (laughs) and she can talk for a very long time about it and but it's awesome she's telling me about these like community gardens that she goes to and i mean i guess people that are thinking outside the box and can also like they're quite inspiring Mm -hmm. um people that are positive yes people that's always helpful, isn't yes. it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go, Alex. That's yeah. my friend. <laughs> um, I think people that um, generally have an appreciation for just being outside and mm-hmm. wanting to feel good and healthy, and you know those kind of shared values. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of my friends are very kind, which is a, an attribute that I really uh, value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you were also saying you found that since you've moved here, you've realize a lot more about your like um, mental health and physical health and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff so what type of things have you uh, like changed since moving here what do you find are the main habits that help you to be optimal so I mean it's not all rosy yeah. when you move abroad <laughs> so everyone knows um so after the first year the first year there was almost no pressure it's very much you do what you want to do build the person you want to be then shit gets a bit more real I think when you're mm. in your second year and it coincided with my second year that basically all my friends left Sydney, yeah, um, which was really tough. And you kind of, I was like, I need to start back at like mm-hmm. square one, essentially. And it was a really tough time. And I was like, oh, should I move back home? I feel really unsettled in Sydney, like unbelievably so. And I think for me, it was the first time that I truly put value on investing time and money on myself. I'd never done that before. Mm ever I was you know and like paying people to help you like my back was killing me and I was like right I'm gonna go see a a physio and not some one that's you know just recommended by a doctor I'm gonna actively look for a physio that I feel like I have a bit of camaraderie with Mm -hmm. um and it was just a real period where I I realized the importance of like reaching out Mm -hmm. and consciously looking for help from different groups of people that can help you kind of reset Um, And then since then, I think it's kind of carried on. Like, I really know the importance now of every day doing something that's good for mind, body, soul. And I think that's, for me, like a real, um, there's a longevity in contentment if Mm -hmm. I do that, which I definitely didn't consider or value before. Do you have like um, daily musts? Like I have to do this or my day's not complete? Um, I, I have things that I would like to do daily, (laughs) so (laughs) it's like a process of elimination. So basically I set my alarm for 5.30 and if I make the 6am yoga class, that's great. If not, a bit later, I'll do a Pilates class. Mm -hmm. If not, I'll do meditation at home. (laughs) If not, I'm just going to go to work and be like, I've not done anything today. (laughs) But I did get up at 5am and didn't do anything. Um, So, but I do try and, and work out at least once a day. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Again, it kind of goes mm-hmm. back to when you work in an office environment, you just sat down for so long. Yeah. And the more exercise I've done, the more my body's like, nope, that's not cool. What are you doing? <laughs> like, keep moving. Uh, so that, there's that and just simple things like drinking lots of water and just trying to appreciate little things. 
Jesus. And how's your um, TM going? Your transcendental meditation. Yeah. Do you still practice? Or? Yeah, I find it really hard. Like, I would love to say that I've got better over, mm-hmm. like, when did I do the course two years ago? But it's almost getting harder in some ways. Every time I do it, it's like any exercise. Yeah. Like, you feel great afterwards, and you're like, why would I not do this every day? But um, I really resist it, mm-hmm. which shows probably how much I need yeah, it. I it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I try and do it every day every other day but do you have like a certain place where you do it or yeah mm-hmm. it's a meditation chair in my, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my apartment it's not it's just a regular chair I'm not gonna <laughs> lie <laughs> but um how you label it. Yeah. yeah it's just you know it's also a reading chair it's a great chair yeah. uh just sit there and and have a crystal and just kind of repeat your mantra over mm-hmm. um sometimes I try and do it on the train I find the commute quite boring sometimes I'm trying to do that too on the train how did yeah. you find it um, it was good. It was when I first went back to an office after being in Bali for a while, mm-hmm. and it really helped. Did um, it? But then Instagram took over. And then <laughs> I just, and I'm watching Instagram feeds like TV before I go in. But when I really needed it, it was like a lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's really good about it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure meditators that do it all the time would massively disagree with this, but. I always see it as a tool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When I truly need it, mm-hmm. I know that I will do it, and it mm-hmm. will definitely help. And then I get really cocky when like, <laughs> life's peachy, and I'm like, I don't need that anymore. And I it's think just, also yeah. like learning to recognize that feeling when you do need it is yeah. huge too, right? Because then it doesn't like probably before when you were in London, it, it you're less likely to have that moment where all of a sudden you snap and you're mm-hmm. like okay I'm leaving for three months that's <laughs> it like totally unexpected right a hundred percent yeah that I can't imagine doing that now because I think purely by doing meditation and just checking in with yourself you allow yourself the thoughts that potentially are going to cause a bit of trouble in your life <laughs> mm-hmm. like shifting things around rather than just constantly checking out I think there's a real value in that yeah for sure um, and do you have like a piece of advice that someone has given you that you that really resonated with you or has helped you? Um, I there's one and I cannot remember it word for word, so I'm going to paraphrase, which is awful. Um, it's something along the Go lines of <laughs> be wild. You if um, like you're the author of your own life, basically. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like the way something's going. Mm-hmm. Just change it. Just pick yeah. up your bloody pen and just write a new <laughs> paragraph. You know? Don't have writer's block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, so I think it's just that, I don't know. I, I mean, the way I was brought up was very much like you go to uni, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, you settle. Like, that's it. That was kind of life. Um, and I think it's a new theory that's kind of, I've grown over the couple of years into thinking, okay, actually, it's all right to constantly be questioning and moving forwards, and like, mm-hmm. you don't have to be in one place forever. If you do end up moving somewhere with your boyfriend, what are the factors that are like your must-haves? Are there things on a list that you're like, wherever <laughs> I move, it has to like be by the ocean? Or are there any things that you yeah. experience in life here that you're like, I can't leave that behind? Uh, Gusto's coffee, no, just, yeah. <laughs> um, or there are cyborgs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if I can get it on delivery. Probably. Um, I think just being, I I couldn't go and live somewhere for me personally, somewhere that's um so built up again. Mm-hmm. I just I just couldn't. 
I, I really like being able to just walk around freely and hear birdsong. Barefoot. Mm. Barefoot, mm-hmm. yes. Hear the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think living somewhere that's, that really values health and well-being, and you know, it's tricky, isn't it? Because there really aren't many places like Bondi in the world. Mm. Um, but that I find really inspiring if I'm having a lazy day. All I've got to mm. do is walk down Hall Street and be like, okay, there are so many yoga studios. I have to walk past like... 10 of them <laughs> to get to the beach like it's very it's confronting but in a really good way mm-hmm. um so yeah i'd say a similar kind of community and then a similar kind of not similar but an emphasis on like a natural habitat for sure yeah and if you were to give a piece of advice to someone else what would it be um i would say just like stop and check in and like just notice the little things and like it's insane how much more awesome life is when you do (laughs) case in point Mm -hmm. how many times like i sounds a bit odd but i eat peaches all the time i love peaches nectarines peaches yeah (laughs) but yeah like you just you know you go along you go to supermarket you buy a few peaches and then you just eat them and you're like cool done um and one of my favorite (laughs) this is so strange one of my favorite things to do is when it's sunny just stand barefoot on my balcony in the sun and just eat a juicy peach on my own and it's just like the best thing it's like such a sensory experience yeah it is like the fuzzy peach skin like yeah (laughs) juice running down your chin (laughs) so and i think sounds wonderful just little things like that and even you know i mean i i do think it's easier in australia because everything is in an abundance and kind of on Mm. speed in terms of nature so you know you walk down the street and they've got all these lovely flowers that smell really lemony and the birds squawking but yeah I think that's quite for me anyway I get a lot of value out of just noticing the little things that are kind of external Mm -hmm. that are really lovely and so I know you don't want to move back to London basically (laughs) but do you feel like you if you had to you could go back and live it a different way do you yeah I think like with the noticing things or or all that kind of stuff like yeah yeah a hundred percent I mean never say never right mm-hmm. and I think um if you are living in a way that you're consciously trying to build the life you want and you're paying attention to the things that you want then I mean realistically you probably could live anywhere mm-hmm. to a certain extent yeah. it's more about how you feel and who you're surrounded by I think mm-hmm. so I just yeah. I think we're not as evolved as we all we're not ever going to be the floating yogis yeah. <laughs> you know <No>. <laughs> So for me, I was like, it's just good to live somewhere that's so much more conducive to yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like once you do, when you start to learn more and more of these things of how to make optimize your life, or I describe it as almost yeah. doing user experience for your life, yeah, right? I like agree with that. Testing out different things and then finding like the the best route. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I to live somewhere where you don't have to worry like. It, 80% of your effort can just be on the things you actually want to do rather than yeah. getting over the other stuff and having to build that up. Yeah, um, completely agree. That makes such a big difference. Do you have a motto that you live by now or even like a mantra that you... But you, I, you can't tell us your TM mantra. No, I can't, can I? Um, a mantra. Um, I don't have one, I wouldn't say. I think 
it's not really a mantra but I'm always trying to question things mm-hmm. you know because again it goes back to those things that we were talking about earlier where you're built or you grow up in a certain way and you don't really question them and then all of a sudden you're like oh wait am I just preconditioned to think this way mm-hmm. yeah like how do I actually feel about it no assumptions no assumptions, <laughs> no assumptions. there you go should probably find a mantra that evolves around that and yeah that's a, yeah definitely um Okay, wait, I just have one question quickly yes. um, before we wrap up. Where, this is just out of my own curiosity, is where else do you want to travel to? Um, I would love to go back to India. I found mm. it so like chaotic and fascinating as a place and <clears throat> also quite peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to go probably back to Nepal as well. People were so lovely, mm. so kind. Um, I would like I mean, it's tricky. There's so many places. It's almost like the more places you go, the more you want to see. Really want to go to Mexico. Oh, um, and throw some rocks at the wall. No, I'm joking. Um, and where else? New Zealand. Haven't been mm. to New Zealand. Would love to go to there. Korea. That would yeah. be quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Japan. Okay. So everywhere. 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 <laughs> so basically, there isn't. <laughs> there isn't like a priority list. Okay. It's just. <laughs> Um, well, that was just awesome, Abby. Thank you. Well, thanks for Thank having you me. So much. <laughs>